Well, uh, I, I want, before we kind of get into the message here, I want to say something to the kids. So if your kids are close, I know it's hard, parents, uh, with your, your, your children and your children and the youth, uh, you're trying to listen to a message and worship. It's such a different experience, and I, I, we understand that, uh, and we have empathy for you. I want to say something to the kids and to the youth. Um, man, I miss you. Uh, I cannot wait till the weekend comes and you're all showing up and I can high-five the youth and we can fist bump and shoulder bump and all that sort of thing and, and just kind of celebrate together. And I can't wait to get online and to see you uh, dressed up in all your Easter clothes or your Easter pajamas or whatever you're in. And, and I can't wait for the day when the, when the kids are back. And parents, I love you too, but really when the kids are back and, and I can sit out there on the crossing on the floor and you can come up and I can just give you a big old hug and just let you know not just how much Pastor Rick loves you, but how how much God loves you, children. I want you to know God does, and we miss you so much, and we can't wait for that day. We'll have an Easter experience, right, when, when that day happens. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out uh, to my little granddaughters. All of you probably do it. All Lennox, you know, how much Papa misses getting ready to hold you and hug you and not just let you know how much I love you, but how much God loves you. And so to all the kids out there, I just want to say hey at you. Uh, we miss you. look forward to connecting with you. And again, I want to reiterate, if you're new, uh, thank you for joining us. Traditionally, what we do on Easter after worship, I'd hang out in the crossing, right? And I have a chance to meet you. And, and of course, that's not going to happen today. But I would love somehow to make that connection. I promise you, I will go back and I will go down and notice all the comments. We ask you to engage in the comment section, whatever platform on which you are watching. And if there's a need that I can respond to, I will. But when we have lots of pastors on staff, online to pray with you to encourage you as we go through this worship time so i hope you will participate and be engaged there in your own home and i want to give a shout out we have some churches uh, that did not have the ability to live stream we have some down in san antonio i think and down in east texas and jefferson maybe a couple over in in tennessee and also some folks in different places of the world they didn't have a place to worship and so you're welcome we're thankful that you're here we're glad that you're here and just one more thing especially to anyone who is listening or watching this morning, and you're not even sure if you believe in God. And this whole pandemic thing has kind of turned your world upside down, and you just kind of connected, whatever. Or you accidentally stumbled upon this. You're especially welcome here uh, to wrestle with your questions, your thoughts, and everything that, that's going on. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I need a victory or two. Anybody besides me that's ready for a victory? I mean, I'm ready for a victory. I'm tired of all the losses, right? Uh, so many college uh, folks have lost their senior year of sports. High school, you lost your softball season, lost your baseball season. The fear of losing uh, your high school graduation, your prom, and all these sort of things. Some of you have lost the ability to go into the office and be around other people. You've lost to go to the store. All of you at the same time, and we've lost so much. I mean, we're ready for some wins, right? Uh, but, I, but I'm not sure about the loss of opening day. If you're a baseball fan out there, you kind of maybe kind of grieving the morning of the loss of, of opening day. I will tell you, I think there's pros and cons to losing the opening day of the Rangers 2020 seasons. Uh, the pro is that I think it's April the 11th. You kind of lose track of time with all of this, but it's April the 11th, and the Rangers are still in contention for the World Series. So that's a pro. And the con is the Rangers are still in contention for the World Series. Because you see, I still find myself scarred, but I keep on getting sucked in. But 2011, does anybody remember besides me? I mean, it's like yesterday, one strike, uh, not once, but twice. Twice 
in the same game. I mean, victory snatched away a World Series right out of their hands with one strike. Ah, I'm still scarred. I don't know that I'll ever get over it. So, man, I don't know about you, but I'm needing some victories. And, and I would dare say that whether you're competitive or not, uh, whether you love sports or not, that we all crave that feeling, that experience of being victorious. And I want you to know the greatest victory in the history of the world was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is a victory of all victories. But to understand that victories, I want to take you back to a smaller victory, a smaller story that sometimes gets lost uh, in, in the Scriptures. And it's found in John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, if you want to find your Bibles. And in John chapter 3, there's a huge crowd, just like on Easter normally, is a huge crowd of people showed up in Jerusalem. It was the week of the Passover. And there was a crowd there not just because of the Passover, but because people had heard that Jesus was going to be there. Because some had already discovered that he was the way maker, that he was the miracle worker, that he was that little light in the darkness. So there was a huge crowd there. But there was one in the crowd that wasn't sure. Uh, he was kind of curious, though. Maybe is he really who he says that he is? Now, the interesting thing about this one guy who's in the crowd, his name literally means the people's victory. In fact, the first part of his name comes after a Greek god, Nike which means victory. Nicodemus, he was a man of means. He was a man of stature and respect and authority over the community. But he was beginning to wonder, getting curious, who is this guy named Jesus? And so he thinks right here in John chapter 3, you know what, I think I'm going to go check him out. And I think I'm going to go at night because I don't want anybody to know. It's kind of like some of you here uh, this morning. I mean, you would never go to church on Easter because some of your friends would go, oh, my gosh, they're going to the church thing. But now you can do it in the quiet of your home, and nobody knows but you, unless you took a selfie, right? And so uh, Nicodemus, he meets Jesus at night. And the very first thing he does when he sees him right there in, in, in verse 2, he goes, uh, hey, Rabbi, teacher, uh, we, we know you sent from God. I mean, that's rational, logical. I mean, there's no way you could teach the things you teach and do the things you do, the miracles. And then he's kind of quiet. And I kind of imagine Jesus looking at him, much like a parent looks at a little child going, oh, Zacchaeus, oh, Nicodemus, you have so much to learn, right? You know what I mean, parents? It's kind of like, you know, you have your small little child, like if I was to go to Lennox, my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, and I'll say, hey, Lennox, uh, what are you going to do tomorrow? she oh, Papa, you know, I'm going to play with my Barbies, and I'm going to have a Pop-Tart, and, and I'm going to go outside and play with my mommy and daddy, right? And you kind of look at them in the midst of this big pandemic, and I go, oh, I'm, I'm glad you don't know, but you have so much to learn. See, a child's world is so small that it has these very small little boundaries where they don't understand the bigger picture of what was going on. And it had been a long time since Nicodemus thought he had anything to learn. He thought he knew everything until Jesus responds to him. And he says, hey, Nicodemus, if you want to know what God is up to, uh, you got to be born again. He goes, born again? I mean, how can I become a newborn? And Jesus says to him right here, he says, hey, you're a teacher? You're a teacher? And you don't understand? And so Nicodemus is really confused. And then you go on down there in verses 14 and 15, he confuses him anymore. He says, hey, Nicodemus, 
You know, no, just like Moses lifted up this snake uh, way up on his pole, I'm going to be lifted up. And whoever, when I'm lifted up, believes in me, he says, is going to be saved. Now, Nicodemus knows the story. Uh, the story is back in uh, the years ago where God had called out Moses to deliver the people of Israel as slaves out of Egypt. And they go through this desert. They're going to the promised land. But while they're in the desert, they're bitten by all these snakes. They're swimming by all these diseases and pestilence. And they cry out. And God says, Moses, I want you to build this bronze pole and put a snake on the top of it. And tell the people to look up at the snake. And if they look up, they look up, they will be saved. And Nicodemus is not making the connection with what Jesus is teaching and the story. So he helps him. And Jesus speaks 47 words. 47 are the most famous words that had ever come out of someone's mouth, especially Jesus' mouth. And you've, many of you have heard these words. Maybe you've not heard all 47 but I know most of you have heard 26, at least the first 26. You know, you came out of a sporting event, right? And, or someone had this sign, and they had this big old sign, and back it was on television, and it, just had, it had the address of those 26 words right there at the sporting event, maybe even on live TV. Or you came out of a movie late at night, and you're going to your car, and someone across the street with a big old megaphone starts shouting out the address of those 26 words. But the problem is, they only point you to the 26. They don't take you to the other 21. 47 words that set us up for understanding of the resurrection and of victory. Let's read them. John 3, 16 and verse 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 46 words, only 46, that stand between you and me and victory. Now, let's unpack some of these words that are in this, this 46 little thing. And the first thing we see, he says, for God so loved the world. Now, that word world in the Greek is cosmos. For God so loved the cosmos. Now, back in the day of Jesus, they had a very elementary understanding of the heavens and the earth of the cosmos. But in the past 60 to 70 years, boy, have we expanded our understanding of the cosmos. This right here, you see, is the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is where we live. It is 100,000 light years across, 100,000 light years wide. Now, a light year. That is how we measure the speed and distance of light in a year. It can move at 186,000 miles per second. That's seven times around the earth in a single second. That's 671 miles per hour. Now, a light year is 5.9 trillion miles. So, you take 5.9 and you multiply it times 100,000, not only will it blow up your mind, it will blow up any calculator that you have. It is a massive, it is enormous. And yet the Milky Way galaxy is just kind of an average, mediocre galaxy. It only has about 200 billion stars, where there are some galaxies we found that have as much as 1.1 million stars. Now, as you look at the Milky Way galaxy, you're probably thinking, where do we live? 
Well, here's where we live right here. See it on the screen? Very, very small south. We don't live in the center. We live out on the edge. So minute, so small. Now, let's put this in perspective about the world in which we live. And let's go back to the NCAA tournament since we lost that, right? And we didn't get to have all the whole Final Four jazz and all that fun. Picture that the earth is a basketball. And the basketball, the earth, is nestled and kind of hold in the bottom of the net. And then you have the moon. And the moon would be like a tennis ball. It's about a three-point line. And then you have the sun. The sun is massive. And the sun would be a mile and a half from the basketball in the bottom of the net. And the sun is so huge, it would take 109 basketballs to make up the sun. That gives you perspective of how small we are inside the Milky Way galaxy. But there's more. Let's expand our perspective. Uh, because of our technology and the wonderful telescopes we have developed, we have discovered 200 billion galaxies. I mean, they are everywhere. It's massive. And there's even one that is 13.3 billion light years away. Can you imagine that? Here's what it's called. It's called the MACSO647-JD. And all that means is the guy who named it didn't have a date to the prom, right? I mean, he had no way of having a date to the prom. Uh, that, that's all that means. And if they would just ask me, i give the guy who discovered it, he gets to name it. If I got to name a galaxy, I would name it hashtag Rangers don't break my heart again, dash 2020, please don't break my heart again. Uh, uh, but that's what I would do. I, I doubt if NASA or anybody's going to call me to name it, but that's what I would, would do. Uh, speaking of, of NASA, uh, one of the things I hear is kind of going around right now during this COVID-19 pandemic that people are reconsidering their bucket list. Hey, man, when this thing is over, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? What's going to be your dream vacation? Uh, some country you want to go to, some sporting event or whatever. And if you were to ask me, I would tell you, I, man, I'm just, I just really want to go into space. I think it would be so cool to go into space. So Elon Musk, if you're watching, call me. And if anybody knows Elon Musk, give him the church number, 817-295-5832. I'm all in. I want to go. Uh, just imagine that. Uh, the view you would have of this thing called the world. It's for God so loved the world. Uh, you read the biography of any astronaut. Uh, you'll hear and just come off the page the excitement of when they're going to the moon. Because there's one little place when the shuttle kind of turns and it kind of floats. And they look back and they see the earth for the very first time. And they're so moved by it. It is so beautiful. And yet it looks so fragile, like this little bitty marble, this little bitty pea just kind of floating up in the universe. Uh, Neil Armstrong put it this way. He said, no, it suddenly struck me uh, that that tiny pea, that pretty little blue thing out there in the darkness, it was the earth. And I held up my thumb and I closed one eye and I could blot it out with my thumb. And he said, man, I didn't feel like a giant. I felt so very very small. Another one from astronaut from Apollo 8. He said, I looked back and I saw the earth. So beautiful. Uh, so magnificent. So blue, just kind of floating out there in the universe. But I thought, that little thing, I just can't imagine all the problems that it has. All the frustrations. All the nationalistic views. All the wars. All the famines. All the pestilence. All the pandemics. 
And when you look at the world from that perspective, you don't see any of that stuff. Uh, but it's there. It's here. And God, out of all the galaxies, out of all of the planets, out of all the stars, God has an affection for this place right here, the earth. For God so loved the world. And the question is, why? Uh, why does God love this world so much? Down here in verse 17, we get a hint. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Wow. I know some of you, you know exactly what it feels like to be condemned. Kind of, you know, someone putting their finger in your place and just kind of putting you in your place, giving you the look. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe even you stepped out to do something good and automatically somebody started questioning your motives and they posted all this stuff on Facebook and social media going, yeah, 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 yeah. And they start these rumors about you. But really they're just flat out lies. And they're really just kind of judging and condemning you for trying to do good. Uh, maybe you stepped out to do something and you failed. I mean, you flat out failed and somebody gave you the look. Uh, you know the look, don't you? I mean, the look. The look of, I told you so. I knew you couldn't do it. I knew you'd be a failure. I knew you didn't have it in you. I knew. Now, church, this is not new. Uh, before Jesus and during Jesus and after Jesus, there have been people who have believed and taught that our God is a condemning God. Uh, that is why so many people and so many faiths, even within Christianity, who walk on eggshells, right, making sure they're doing religion and worship the exact right way so God doesn't get mad and come up and zap them. Listen, condemnation is not God's first natural bent towards you. God is not sitting around waiting to get you trying to cloud up and rain all over you. God is not waiting when you mess up to infect you or the world with this virus. That is not who our God is. For God so loved the world. God sent his son not to condemn. But the scripture says, verse 17, to save. Now that word save, uh, that's kind of a trip word, right? I mean, some of you kind of got thrown up with religion. Where people say, hey, are you saved? Are you saved? I'm saved. Well, I saved so many people. I saved. And we kind of throw that word out. We really don't even know what the word means, right? This word saved. Uh, there's a, and there's an old hockey bumper sticker years ago that went out that I really, really love. And some of you sports fans and hockey fans, you're going to get this. It says, Jesus saves, but Gretzky rebounds and scores. I love that. I think that's how Jesus works, right? He gives you and me the credit, and he gets the assist. But Jesus came to save us. What does that mean? Uh, back in November the 5th, uh, 1967, in the middle of the Vietnam War, uh, there was this technician by the name of, of Charlie Smith who wakes up one morning and not knowing what the day would bring. So he starts grilling, started cooking for himself and all of his teammates, and all of a sudden he hears this, this call over the radio. It says, scramble, scramble, a jolly green giant, go now, go now, go now. He knows exactly what, he stops what he's doing, runs to the green helicopter, gets in, it fires up, goes into the air, heads into enemy lines. Uh, a jet had gone down, a fighter had gone down, the pilot had ejected, and he had been abandoned alone behind enemy lines. Uh, they get up in the air, uh, and Smith turns to the pilot and says, who is it? Who went down? Who went down? Uh, they said, Captain Bill Sparks. Bill? Sparks went down? 
man, I know that guy. I love that guy. He's been so good to me. We got to go get him. We got to go get him. So off they go. And so they crossed deep into enemy lines further than they had ever been before at this time. Uh, before too long, they started getting these reports from the command post who had been following the coordinates of the enemy who were closing in on, spor on Sparks. And they say, abort the mission. Abort the, abort the mission. Return to base. And pretty soon after that, Sparks himself, who's down in the jungle hiding, he can tell the enemy is creeping in. He gets on his radio, Jolly Green Giant, go back, guys, go back. It's dangerous. It's too risky. Well, quickly, Smith, he goes, he kind of, can't hear you, bad connection, bad connection. We're going in. And so they go in. And they finally get over the site where he is, and the helicopter hovers. And Smith becomes a, a pararescue jumper, and he goes down, and he grabs Sparks, and up they go to rescue him. And church, when I see this image, I think, God so loved the world that he sent his son to save, to rescue, to redeem, to renew, to replenish, to refresh, to capture you, to take you back to safety. Uh, when I see this image right here, I think of the gospel. That when it was risky, when it was dangerous, God so loved you that he sent his son, even when you didn't want him, even when you said, I don't believe in you, go back. God sent his son into the mess of this world, even to the mess of this pandemic to say, I got you. And I'm going to redeem you. And that's the message of Easter. I'm going to rest. You can be a victim. You can don't have to be a victim. You can have victory in Jesus Christ over all of this. You can. That's what he says. And that's how this verse goes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes. Now, this talk about this word believe. That's kind of a tricky word too, right? That's kind of a test word. Um, belief. Back in the day of Jesus, more than just a mental understanding, oh, yeah, I accept that. It's more than just saying a few words out of your mouth. Belief is a whole body experience and more than just some verbal and mental assent agreement of something. Uh, back in March uh, 1965, uh, there was a group of college students who had a belief. Uh, they had a belief that they would have the right to vote. They had a belief uh, that people would not be judged by the color of their skin. And so they found themselves on the edge of a bridge in Selma, Alabama, the, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and they walk across. And on the other side, uh, they were met with uh, attack dogs and tear gas and these billy clubs wrapped in barbed wire. It was called Bloody Sunday. Uh, two weeks later, there was another march, and there was a people with Martin Luther King who had a belief they believed in the power of reconciliation. They believed in the power of forgiveness. They believed in loving your enemies. They believed in praying for those who persecute you. And as they walked across that bridge arm in arm, they did not go with weapons. They came with scripture. They sang songs of faith. And arm in arm, they walked across armed with faith, hope, and love. That is belief. Belief is not just something you have up here in your head. It's not just something that comes out of your mouth. It's a whole body experience of being all in. I'll show you what belief is. Belief is the doctors and the nurses and the first responders who are right now in the midst of this pandemic. 
even while some of us right now are safe in our homes, have marched into harm's way to take care of those who are at risk for spreading the infection, but even death themselves. Belief is a nurse who stays in the room with a patient on a ventilator because the family can't come in. When it comes time for death, who even takes off his or her mask or her gloves and touches the skin of the person who is dying so they're not alone. And then they're sequestered themselves, not going home to their family. That's belief. Uh, Belief are all the grocery store clerks who find themselves working 24-7 to restock the shelves because of all of those hoarders who were in fear, went and grabbed it all and denying so many other people who put themselves in harm's way. Touching and grabbing things that you and I have touched and put them up there for us is industries who are retooling, who are changing their whole way of functioning so they can make masks, so they can make shields, so they can make cleaners, all sorts of things. They get, and they're not going to make a whole lot of money out of this. They're changing their whole plan just to help serve the community. That is belief. Belief is the people of Pathway who have bought into the understanding of the reality in which we live, who are staying at home as much as they can, practicing physical distancing, not gathering in groups of 10 or more. And yet, you still are finding a way to provide a mobile food pantry to feed those that are hungry. Uh, You're finding a way to encourage those who have lost their jobs. You're finding a way to screen those that are homeless on the streets. A shout out to our True World friends so they can get into the facility and be safe from one another. Uh, You're finding a way to spread yard signs, to spread yard signs of hope all over the community, even in other states this has been done. That is belief. Put in your hands and your feet into action. And belief (laughs) is handing out even your last roll of toilet paper, right? Do we keep having to come back to that? Yep, because the stale shelves are still empty because you don't know where your next one is coming from. Hey, church, belief. It's more than just the mind. It's more than just saying the words. It's your whole body. It's your hands. It's your feet. It's your spiritual gifts. It's your talents. It's to what God has given you in your resources that God would use them to be a blessing of the world in this particular time. For whoever believes in him, it says, will not have perished, but it says right there, we'll have eternal life. Eternal life. Uh, and the freedom and the privilege of being pastor here for the past 33 years myself and other staff, I've had the sacred honor of sitting along by the bedside of someone when they were dying. Uh, That's part of the grief that many of us have right now for those that have the COVID-19. We can't come to be at your side right now. We want to do that so much, and they they won't even let us. Uh, But it's a privilege to be along someone when they know that the time is coming. And I will tell you, it doesn't take very long to figure out someone who's gone deep with Jesus when they're dying uh, because their face is full of peace. Uh, They just feel a sense of calm because they believe in the depth of their soul that it's not over when it's over, that there's life on the other side. And I've also sat beside people whose faces weren't full of peace. Uh, They were full of fear. They were full of stress and anxiety and worry and all this anxiety. 
Because they weren't convinced, they didn't have the belief. And I will tell you, the contrast is so different. It is so much, it's so assuring, it's so inspiring and comforting to sit with someone, to be with someone who has that confidence that I know what I believe and what Jesus Christ has done in the tomb. And they just know that. Uh, there's such an assurance. Uh, years ago, Billy Graham is quoted as saying this. He says, one day, uh, you're going to read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. And when you hear that, don't you believe it? Because I'll be more alive then than I ever have before. I will just have changed my address. I will be in the presence of God. And church, that is the heart and the message of Easter to those who believe there is victory over death. There is victory over everything in this life. There is life to come that is unbelievable. But it's not just life to come. It's not just eternal life tomorrow. The Hebrew people in the, in the Scripture they also believe it is life in the day, life right now. You know, after uh, the crucifixion, uh, the scriptures tell us the disciples ran in fear. Uh, they were scared to death. I mean, they themselves did self-quarantine. Uh, they did the stay-at-home directive. They locked the door in fear for their lives. Many of them did. They were just depressed and so upset. And some dispersed. Some eventually went back to their old way of fishing. Uh, they just went back to their old way of life. And then all of a sudden, the word started spreading. Hey. Uh, the tomb is empty. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, they've seen him. He's alive. Really? Yeah. Hey, death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Evil has been defeated. We have victory. And all of a sudden, uh, these people who were so downcast were so filled with power today. There was a guy named Peter who denied Jesus three times. I mean, he was a scaredy cat. He was an impetuous, big mouth scaredy cat. And all of a sudden now, he's filled with resurrection power. And he's going around telling people boldly, even his enemies who tried to harm him, about the good news of God's love through Jesus Christ. And then there's Thomas, who was a doubter. I know there's some here right now, you're doubters. Hey, you're welcome here. You're welcome to be a part of here. Thomas was a doubter. And then he experienced the resurrection power of Jesus. If you were to travel to India today, you can't because of the travel ban. But when it comes down and you go to India, and if you go to a place where they're Christians, you know what they'll tell you? There's not many, but with their pockets, they'll tell you uh, that it's because of Thomas. That the story of Thomas was passed down to India. And God used someone who was a doubter and filled them with such power that God used them to help minister to a community who didn't even believe in God. And then there's the Apostle Paul who says these very powerful words. He said, the very same power that resurrected, raised Jesus from the dead, is alive in you and me right now. You know what that means? That means you don't have to be a victim. There is nothing in your life right now that you cannot overcome through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Don't be a victim. Live in victory over that addiction, over that depression, over that marriage, over whatever it is, your unemployment. That right here in the middle of this pandemic, the stress upon your family, the stress upon your business, you can be victorious in the power of the resurrected Christ right here and right now, not just in the afterlife. Here's what I guess. It's Easter. It's Easter. And I imagine there's folks that have joined us in worshiping from all over. Uh, friends have invited you, and you've accepted the invitation. You're here. And I, I suspect there are probably three different types of people that are here joining us in worship right now. And here's the first group. The first group of the people I'm going to call the curious. 
I'm going to bet there's some of you out here today, and you're kind of online in light of what's going on in the world, and kind of like Nicodemus, uh, you're not sure, and you're wondering, who is this Jesus guy? What's this Christian thing all about? And I want to encourage you, and I want to welcome you. Uh, you're welcome here. But I want to encourage you to kind of take your curiosity a step further. Go and buy a Bible. Get you a Bible. If you can't afford a Bible, uh, touch base with us. We'll try to find a way to help you afford a Bible or to get a Bible to you. Uh, come back and do our website. Nose around our website. Uh, connect with someone here online. There are all the pastors that are online. Uh, ask them questions, but just kind of go a little bit further with your curiosity and see what God will do. And uh, we would love to connect with you and help you as you wrestle down the way. We're doing a lot of stuff virtual online. You're welcome to join. Just kind of figure some stuff out. Plus, they're curious. Uh, the second one, I bet you there's some that are cautious. And they're, you're cautious for two reasons. And you have your wall up. And some of you right now, you're, you're in worship on Easter. You, you wouldn't have even been if the doors would have been open. But you're in a house with someone who's been trying to invite you for years. And now they got you. You have to be there because they have it blasting all over the house, right? But you had a bad experience years ago. You experienced the judgment, the commendation, the wagging finger in your face. Uh, maybe some people hurt you in the church and they were mean-spirited, or you heard something that kind of just kind of blew your mind about who God is. Uh, and so you kind of got a wall up a little bit because of the condemnation. And then there's some of you got a wall up because you know what you've done. Uh, you, know, you know the truth about you. And you have this shame and embarrassment about the things that you think and the things that you do. And you just have no belief, no real in your heart that someone, that God especially, could love someone like you. And so you're cautious. you got the wall up. But you're here. For whatever reason, what's going on in the world, you're here. I want you to look me right in the eye right now. If you're cautious, I want you to please look straight. I wish, I wish I could see into your eyes. And I'm going to imagine that I can. I want to tell you the truth. You can let your wall down. God loves the broken parts, the ugly parts, the bad parts. He already knows it all, and he loves you. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. He loves you. And there's no perfect church. This church is not perfect, but I promise you, if you connect here in any way, we will do everything in our power to help you know just how much you love to not let your caution be, be being vulnerable uh, to harm you, okay? Man, being cautious is never going to get you anywhere. It's going to come a point where you've got to get vulnerable and give a chance of God to express how much he loves you. And here's the final group. The final group is the convinced. You've got the curious, you've got the cautious, and the convinced. And the convinced, those of you who are down deep in your heart, you really believe. And you believe for a long time. If this is you, I need you to zero in right now like you never have before. Listen if you're convinced that the tomb is empty. The world needs you. Perhaps more than any, any other time for some of you, in your life on this earth, the world, the, the world that God loves needs you. And they don't just need your mind what you think. And they don't just need the platitudes out of your mouth. They need to experience somehow, with all the limitations we have, you loving them. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a text. 
Maybe it's putting a bag of groceries on the front porch. Uh, maybe it's just going to mow the yard. I don't know what it is. But the world needs Get out of your couch. Get out of the little bubble of your little world and all your postings. Please, let them more than a post. Let people experience God's love through you. For God so loved the world. Now, it's not just a concept for the world. It's very personal. It's very personal. And I'm going to invite some of you perhaps for the first time to get really personal with this verse. And I'm going to kind of walk you through this verse. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And this is, I want you to say it out loud right there in your home, hospital, car. Uh, maybe you're out sitting in the backyard, wherever you are. Just kind of take a moment. We're going to do it kind of slow. Let this be your prayer. And repeat after me. And the first part is, I'm going to leave a blank. I'm going to say my name. But don't you say my name. I want you to say your name, okay? Say your name. When I say my name, repeat after me. Here we go. Be in the spirit of prayer. Whether you're curious, cautious, or convinced, for God so loved the, say your name, for God so loved Rick Owen that he gave his one and only son that if I believe in him, <laughs> I will not perish, but I can have eternal life, not just in the life to come, but life right here and now. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn me, but to rescue me, to redeem me, to renew me, to refresh me, that I might recover, to replenish, to resupply through his son Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, on this Easter Sunday morning, scattered all over the community, scattered around the United States, scattered around the world again, we are one in spirit, that the tomb is empty, that death has been defeated, sin has been defeated, evil has been defeated, and in the here and now, we can be victorious because he lives. Say it with me. He lives. Say it with me again. He lives. He lives. He lives. Let us worship in Christ. He lives. He lives. He lives. where he lay see the stone rolled away he is a reason he is a reason he's alive see his hands 
see his seed, touch his scars, and believe he is risen, he is risen, he's alive. shackles breaking free hear the song the redeemed he is moving he is moving he's alive so take this freedom take this love can you feel it rising up he is here he is here he's alive oh he I got to tell you, church family and friends all around the world, keep posting those photos. I'm going to go through and check them out. I just want to see you. 
And could I end this thing by telling you, uh, I love you. And I can't wait to see you and hug you and let you know God loves you even more. We'll see you next weekend. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.